Hi, how are you? Welcome to episode six of the Good Enough Human podcast, brought to you by the team at We Are Chester. In this episode, your co-hosts are me, Angela Ferguson and Paul Crofts. We chat to Chester and North Wales singer-songwriter Gareth Howardson about how he has managed to navigate the often tricky waters of producing music throughout lockdown, coming up with some innovative ideas along the way. Over to me, Paul and Gareth to find out more. Okay, so um, here we are, episode five already of the Good Enough Human Lifestyle Podcast. And you've got um, myself, Angela Ferguson, and my co-host, Paul Crofts, back with you today for a very special episode where we take a look at um, the life and inspiration and works and future aspirations of a Chester and North Wales singer, songwriter, musician, Gareth Howitson. Welcome to the podcast, Gareth. Yeah, thank you for having me. our pleasure our pleasure I've been listening to some of your music and I've got to say first and foremost I'm I'm no music guru I'm no Dan Schott or <laughs> from Circle 8 Radio but you've got such a distinctive voice can you tell us a bit generally about your your inspirations when it comes to your music and songwriting and performing yeah of course can it's one of those questions that's quite difficult to answer I guess but For me personally, it's just something that I've loved since I was like really young, if that makes sense. So it was more just the influence of some of the like records and CDs we had lying around the house. And then that's where it all came from. So, I mean, to give you just a bit of an insight, probably one of my earliest memories of like a musical memory, I guess, was when you used to get those old school Walkman CD players that you could um, attach your headphones to and you could like walk with the CD anywhere, which is (laughs) obviously crazy to people out there nowadays if they're used to Spotify. But we went on a little camping trip over to the sort of northwest of Wales and we used to go every summer as a family. And the first time I got to listen to a CD on the Walkman was um, a Stereophonics album, the Performance and Cocktails album. So just like really good sort of heavy, nice, good rock music. And that's kind of where it all started, I guess. And that's been sort of my influence ever since. So Okay, okay. And you have a new single out at the moment, which... Um, I very much enjoyed listening to, very much enjoyed watching the video, which is rather mesmerizing with artwork by your friend. Is that right? Yes, that's a Louis Mitchell, by the way, if anyone's wondering. Um, yeah, yeah. him on all the social medias. He's, he's great to get on board. So any other musicians out there, definitely hit him up or ask me to sort of find his social medias for you. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So do you want to tell us a bit about Snakes and the, the sort of the story behind it? Yeah, sure. It's it's funny, really, because I, I wrote it going back nearly three years now, so 2018, but mental health is something that's come to the forefront lately with COVID going on and everything like that. So um, it's almost come full circle in that sense, so it's really relevant to right now. But it is it, it was one of those songs that was kind of about, I guess, a transitional period for a lot of people around me, so myself including them, friends and family. Yeah, and you know, like everyone experiences mental health, whether it's personally or whether it's someone that you know. So either way, it's kind of surrounding us all the time. And I guess the song was trying to just sort of 
I don't know, collate all the positive and negative aspects of mental health and sort of trying to understand something from a perspective of someone who might be going through that. Um, and we had a few close friends at the time who were kind of going through that transitional period. And I was trying to float in and out of verses, I guess, to try and go from different narratives and speaking from their point of view and then someone else's point of view. And it was really just bringing all that to the forefront and sort of saying, do you know, like the message of the song really is that it's all okay. It's okay for people to feel the way they do. It's natural, it's normal. And I guess, yeah, it just came out really naturally in that case. And I was really happy with the end product really, because um, I feel like it does shine a light on that and sort of letting people know that it is okay, you know? It's, it's interesting to hear you talking about how that particular song developed. Have you always your own material or have you done covers before? Or sort of how did you get started um, with sort of writing your own material? Yeah, it was, I think it was always in me in that sense. Um, I never really focused on many covers. As much as I do look up to a lot of artists, it, I was always, from a creative point of view, it was always a mission of mine to sort of get down and just express myself through my own form of writing. So everything that I've released or written up to this point is all me in that sense. And um, Snakes was a funny one because it was the first time I ever had to step outside my comfort zone as a solo artist and sort of collaborate with sort of band members as well. One of so I got Griff Roberts, who's a lad from North Wales, who sort of did the drums for me. And he's in a band over in Wales called Troops, and they're really good as well. But that was a new learning curve for me. So from like an inspirational point of view, it, it was just me always trying to write things myself because I wanted an outlet in that sense, like many musicians do. It's a really good way to sort of get what's in your head out on a paper or in a song. And then once it's written, it's done then. And it's been a constant in my life, I guess, since since a very early age. And I hope it will carry on that way, too. And I think going back to snakes as well and the sort of the thinking and the story behind that, I think that seems to resonate really powerfully, especially at this moment in time when we're going through the third lockdown, people are, are really struggling with it and we're all trying to find ways to sort of cope and to keep an eye on our mental health. I mean, I, we feel very passionately about that and about helping people and supporting people in terms of mental health. And um, obviously we're not experts, but um, are there any any other tips or aspects of that that you would want to share or share with us? Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's funny really, like, so my, my full-time job is a mental health coach, funny enough. So I feel like I'm sort of surrounded by this all the time, but I think it's good because I've, you know, got a lot of things that I realize that are good for my well-being, and it doesn't work for everyone. Don't get me wrong. There's not like um, a sort of a one size fits all sort of thing. But for me right now, it's been a difficult one this time around, hasn't it? With um, yes. lockdown being through winter. Um, I think we've all seen a change in the darker hours and how we're struggling to really find time to go outdoors like we normally would. If you work a nine to five, you essentially wake up when it's dark and you sort of finish work and it's going dark again. And it's that thing of, I don't know, it's much more isolated this time, isn't it? Um, it's not yes. all fun when it's in the sun. So what I've tried to do is um, I'm sneaking in walks during my working hours and my lunch breaks, really, because at the end of the day, I think well-being comes first. So a lot of my sort of background is the correlation between that physical activity and outdoor exercise as well as and how it impacts well-being. The amount of people we've seen started running since this lockdown started because, <laughs> you know, it, at the end of the day, it's really good for you and it's something that people love doing. So that's one of my sort of main tips and something that I love is just getting out every day because you need to escape the four walls that you're in because they can suddenly become very sort of close, can't they? <laughs> 
That is great advice, great advice. I see so many friends running and um, whilst I haven't quite taken that step, I've, I've endeavoured to do more walking. So I'm doing it in my own little way to get out. And even if it's, I've got a friend who is, lives down in South Wales and she tells me proudly how, how she's enjoyed a walk of a night time, of an evening. And that, that's become a bit of a thing as well, hasn't it? I think I saw a BBC News article about that the other day, even people going out when it's a bit quieter of an evening and your senses are heightened perhaps to sort of pick up on, I don't know, um, birdsong as they settle down to sleep or or the smells and the, yeah, the sounds. Yeah, so, yeah I agree um, more, yeah. Yeah. Would you, um, are you doing that, Paul? Are you heading out for a walk every now and again just while we're talking about what works for us and helps us? I am, certainly. I, I do find, because uh, I... I work in an office, so I, I do find that at lunchtime, if it's if it's not chucking it down with rain, I will go and, ha- and have a walk, even if it's only 20 minutes or so, just to get some fresh air and just being able to, you know, I'm quite close, I'm in the town centre, so it's nice to be able to just walk through the park or down to the river, and it just gives you, on a day like it's been today, even though it's been cold, it, the sun's out, it does make you feel better, there's no doubt about it, you know, just getting out there and just... Yeah, just a change of scenery. It's so beneficial. I absolutely get where you're coming from with that. Absolutely. Yeah, completely. Yeah, great advice, Gareth. Great advice. So, yeah, I think possibly we, we could do a whole other podcast episode in future with your sort of uh, mental coach um, hat on, Gareth. So <laughs> I have to oh, invite you than, back. Yeah, more than happy to. I'm, there's, there's plenty to talk about, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. And yeah, it's it's everyone's talking about it. And thank goodness in this day and age, we can talk about about it and we're encouraged aren't we to it's okay not to be okay so I think that we've made so many great strides which mm. is helping us which is so good to know yeah back to the music Gareth obviously you can't gig at the moment you can't go out to a pub with your guitar <laughs> get the mic set up blast some tunes uh, engage with an audience how are you finding that are you missing gigging oh yeah you won't believe um all my musician friends are all saying the same thing. They're just missing it because at the end of the day, like you can't really from either uh, um, whether you're standing watching someone play or vice versa, the connection you get from just music in general, especially when it's live, is just something else beyond sort of what you can explain really. That it's that euphoric feeling, isn't it? And um, it's not just a social thing. Like it's, it's really good for people just to use that as an outlet. And for me personally, like I love recording and what i've been doing now is changing my flat into a home studio essentially so don't get me wrong i really like that kind of like introverted feeling of creating something yourself but it's it's not really worth anything at the end of the day if you can't go out and showcase that to people in public and um have that as kind of rapport and the thing i miss the most is not actually playing a gig and during that sort of stage time it's more the conversations you have with people afterwards and it's just a talking point isn't it for people to come up to you and chat to you and get to know each other and i really miss that oh wow yeah, I'd never really thought of that, that that sort of social side afterwards and the feedback and feeling a connection, I guess, which we all need in our life, don't we? Yeah, and it's funny, you know, we were talking before, weren't we, Angela, about we've sort of spent so long now not in a social environment, talking about sort of going on walks before. When I do bump into someone that I kind of like half know, I, I get a little bit nervous when I bump into them now because you're just yes. not used to social interactions. <laughs> so it's like we used to really love it and I miss it so much, but I'm really scared to go out and actually try and mix with people now in that environment. So we'll, we'll see. 
I'm I'm the same. I'm glad I'm glad we're not the only ones. Yeah, yeah. It'll take time, won't it, to readjust? <laughs> yeah, it, <will. laughs> it is really difficult, isn't it? As you said, it's 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 all when you are out and about. It's just all you sort of take a step back because you a, you don't want to get too close to people, and it's like, oh, should I be talking to you? Is it safe? You know, it's quite it's quite quite tricky. You know, it really is. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you was, do you have any? plans going forward for when we come out of lockdown because we're all hoping that we can you know get back to seeing live performances and you, we can get back to performing and all that sort of thing um what does the future hold for the next sort of once we come out of the pandemic yeah um so I, i've basically been low-key kind of not really like announcing it too much but i've been i've actually got an album on the go um, so essentially I've just got like nine or 10 tracks that are ready to go. Um, so the only problem is at the moment is the studio times keep getting pushed back because um, because of lockdown, fair enough. But we've got a few, so just release Snakes, of course, but we were scheduled to release another single last, the end of last month. So that just shows you the timelines. We've not even recorded that yet. So I'm looking personally for the future in the sense of, I'm hoping once lockdown restrictions, you know, kind of ease up a little bit and it's safe to actually go into a studio, to just really record as many songs as I can in that time, hopefully get the nine tracks done and then release the album the back end of maybe summer or winter. And then when we're allowed to, it would be amazing to be able to play those songs with the band live, um, especially in the local scene in Chester, because Chester's music scene is great. Um, you've just got so many people traveling over from all sorts of North Wales, like Wrexham and stuff. So it's just a hub really in that sense um, for all things creative and I'm just, dying to get this album out there and just be able to play to everyone in Chester because it's just it'd be a great excuse to get everyone together because I've not seen people for so long as well so <laughs> have a big party <laughs> can yeah, you imagine <laughs> yeah I'll have a few beers <laughs> I can't quite imagine that right now can you <laughs> no, no I, I can't it, it will happen it will happen <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So you've got you've got plans and that I think that helps as well, you know, harking back again to mental health, but it's such an important topic. It helps so much of a help to have projects and things to look forward to, isn't it? Little light, a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've, I've got to mention as well that um, we can't let this podcast go without mentioning that you were a BBC Introducing Artist of the Week as well. Fantastic. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you for that. That was a weird story behind that, actually. Um, I remember it was the first demo I'd ever recorded. Um, it, I was 18, just left sixth form. And I was too scared to actually write and release music when I was in school because of the pressures that came with people that I knew and I wasn't sure what people were going to think. So as soon as I left, I was like, right, I'm getting this out. Um, and, I, and then no one can really like take the mick out of me if it's bad. Um, so I decided to buy a couple of cheap mics and record a demo at home by myself. And then I didn't even mix it. I didn't know how to record or anything because I never had a background in music. I just recorded it. And then I thought, oh, this would be funny if I sent it to the BBC introducing page that was online just for a laugh. Me and my brother, my brother was like, you should just do it. It'd be well funny. And then <laughs> that weekend, um, it was the Beth and Elvin show on the Saturday night, sort of like a show. And she had one of her colleagues basically phone me up on the Friday night. And they were like, we want to make you the act of the week tomorrow. Can you sort of accept an interview live on air, essentially? And wow. Well, to be honest, like, not going to lie, I, I just couldn't speak. I was, it was, you know, you're, eight, you're 18 and you didn't think it was going to happen. It was only a laugh. And then I was thinking, what do I, what do? I do? So, um, yeah, we did it and we put it on the TV and we had it on there and I had a chat with them and stuff. But that was just such a surreal experience. But, and I'm 
forever grateful for for Beth Ann playing that song on 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 air and stuff. But at the same time, I was nowhere near prepared. Um, so you had people tweeting in and stuff, and I barely had a Twitter account. I didn't have any social medias, and I was thinking, right. oh, I peaked too soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I noticed that you've also been mentioned in. Um horizons the i think the bbc wales sort of introducing new music kind of um brand that they have which is fantastic they do so many good things with that and you got a mention um with snakes with that recently as well yeah that great was great to see. yeah I've, I've been meaning to sort of sort of like you know get in touch with them for a long time and because they are you know like so supportive of all welsh artists as well as you know people just over the border from chester and stuff for me, I was like, oh, this is amazing. So I messaged them saying thank you. But yeah, they're just doing, there's so many great things like that at the moment. And that's just one example, which is amazing. And for me to see that happen with like a later single rather than one of the older ones was just really nice to see. Because it means now that there is momentum building essentially off this first single for me. Um, so I'm just looking forward. I'm kind of itching to go now, you know. <laughs> excellent, excellent. That's ab- absolutely that's absolutely incredible. And it's really good that you're sort of making those strides and, you know, you've had that sort of opportunity with the BBC. It's fantastic. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit now, if you don't mind, and just say, yeah. I know you, you've, you've done quite a few live gigs, you've done a few festivals and that sort of thing. What's been one of the highlights for, for, for you since, since you've been performing? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think personally, like, I've got a few, actually. Um, there's a few... I won't use some of the uh, inappropriate gigs where it was basically just a weekend down in Cardiff with my mates and you're doing back-to-back gigs hungover. Like they were one of the best times. (laughs) They certainly aren't any of the most memorable. So I think for me personally, I remember um, there's uh, basically like a a brand again over on the sort of west side of northwest of Wales called Keg Records. And they were putting on a lot of shows for me. Like they were basically supporting like a lot of Welsh artists quite a lot. And I was playing a few gigs and then they managed to get a bill on the festival number six um, festival, which was in Park Marion over in West mm-hmm. Wales, which unfortunately hasn't been running for a few years because, well, fair enough, every time we went there, it was just waterlogged and the the, the land got messed up. So I, I kind of get it, but it was such a surreal festival. You just can't really put into words what it was like because of the architecture and just the setting in general. And I remember them giving me a call saying, do you fancy playing it? And it was just, that for me was one of my most memorable experiences because it was a case of, you know, you would turn up to the same festival where people like Noel Gallagher and Super Fairy Animals were playing and Bastille. And by all means, we were nowhere near them on the bill and you wouldn't even have the chances of walking past them. But just to kind of see a name on the same lineup and sort of turn up and enjoy the experience was just, yeah, for me, that was just an amazing experience because festivals are great but that one in particular was just amazing so wow that's incredible any any particular um aspirations for other festivals in the future gareth when we can go to them again (laughs) yeah i mean it's a shame really because like i'm starting to wonder whether some of the ones that especially some local ones are gonna actually go ahead now and that's the that's the main worry i think from a live music point of view even for um, you know, even the theatres for musical theatre and things like that. If you look at just the creative art in general, um, it's really hard to put a pin on where venues are going to be open, what festivals are going to be open. So I would love for festivals to still be running the same as they were and to have some of them popping up would be amazing. Um, and I, I personally want to try and do some coastal festivals, you know, um, down in Cornwall or something like that, because it's just a, an excuse to go on a trip. I like to make it a trip, but... 
I just don't know, to be honest with you. I'm just crossing my fingers like every other artist out there in whatever form it is that, you know, we're able to have a career out of it. Um, I've got a lot of friends who are professional dancers, for example, down in London and all their tours have been cut short, contracts have been cut short. And just looking at the current climate that we're in, people have had to basically do a massive U-turn with their career, something that they've worked so hard for for all their lives. And now it's like going into a full-time job and they're never going to be able to dance again or never going to be able to do anything like this. And it's, it's just not nice, is it, from our point of view, people who you know are creative and people who enjoy going to watch these spectacles and just not knowing what's on the horizon. It's just very difficult. It is. It's it's heartbreaking, isn't it? And when we when we interviewed Emily from Bellavocci, um, she talked about how she'd had to adapt by bringing forward her retirement plans, almost of running a food business, baking brownies, catering for events, which is tiding her over for now. But she's and she almost has to put the singing element, opera, and performing in a box, and sort of to not be too upset. So. I mean, how do you cope with missing, sort of, as you say, the the connection with people, getting out there, chatting to people, and performing for them? Well, this is it. You see, I mean, and I spoke a bit, a little bit about it before. How much, what, what are the aspects that I do miss? I'm weirdly fortunate enough, in a sense, that my life hasn't changed too much because I was always working full time and then doing music, basically full time on top of that. If that makes sense. So, I work nine to five. And that's my main source of income because there's absolutely no way anyone would survive on a musician's wage. But once you once you finish at sort of 5 p.m., I then go and work on music up until 10 o'clock at night, nearly most nights, because that's the only time I have to fit it in. So for me personally, when all of these things obviously started putting restrictions on us, being able to perform live or being able to record and do our job, I was fortunate enough in a weird way that it wasn't my full-time job. I wasn't relying on music as my main source of income. So my life stayed the same but I was still able to pursue music. The only thing that I wasn't allowed to do was see people in gigs. And, you know, one of the things I loved most was when we had a bill of local artists who were all my mates and they would be playing before me and then someone after me. And it's just an excuse for you all to get together and stay in contact. And um, it's not just us, like everybody uses that as an excuse on a, on a weekend to go out and see a gig and know, see people that you know. So. When that's taken away from you, that's the main thing that I think we all miss is just that connection that we all rely on as humans, not to get too deep, but it is that, isn't it? Like we really do rely on it. And I mean, I'm when I'm allowed to hug someone for the first time, I'm going to go around the whole room and hug everyone for like 20 <laughs> seconds each because and everyone's going to think I'm a right weirdo, but it's just how you feel, isn't it? Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Mm, I think we'll too. be the same, won't we? Gosh. Uh, I think we will. It's been such a, you know, it's been such a long haul, wasn't it? And to think that we're still, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. And as you say, when we do come out of it, are, you know, are a lot of these big events still going to go ahead? It's, it's all a bit precarious. You know, I'm, I'm like you, I'm missing being involved in theatre and, and performing and just, just the aspects of putting a show on. It's just, you know, it's just soul destroying at the moment. We'll get there. Hopefully we'll fingers crossed, but the positive thinking we will make it. I think. One thing I, I was, I, I was going to ask you was um, a lot of artists have gone down the route of doing online gigs and that sort of thing. Is that something you thought about? Yeah. I kind of, I pondered on the idea for a little bit. I had like a, I set up like a playlist on Instagram and Facebook of some, like I call them living room sessions essentially. And I've, I've only uploaded a couple of episodes so far, but it was essentially a opportunity for me to 
perform a few songs, but then basically just talk for like the rest of the, the episode. So just to bore people really with what I wanted to talk about. But the only problem is, I don't know what my neighbors would think because I am in a block of flats essentially uh, near the race course where you've just got like people surrounding you the whole time. And I just feel like I don't really want to kind of myth them off. So if I was to do a gig, it would be one of those really quiet ones. And I just don't think anyone would want to see that anyway. So I could try at the same time. I'd have to find a time where my neighbors are out. Like if I see them leaving, I might just get my mic set up and go for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, that it, would be it, cool. It, it is tricky, isn't it? Especially when you've got people, people around you all the time. But give it a go, see what happens. If you hear well, banging on the walls, then you know that it's too loud. This is it. And I'll tell you one thing, actually, that I hadn't, I forgot about, actually. The other last weekend, I did, I don't know why I did this, but this obviously shows how self-conscious I am of my neighbours hearing me. So I'm in the process of recording some demos anyway for the new album. And because some of it is requiring me to sing quite loud, I thought, I'm not going to do it in the flat. So... <laughs> I don't know if think I'm weird doing this, but I might do this and I think it's an idea. I actually took my microphones in my car with me and I parked up somewhere where no one could see me and I was just screaming in my car, like recording my vocals. So <laughs> I think there's an idea there somewhere. I might do like a few car sessions, live performances for people. That would be ace. That's so quirky. I love that idea and it sounds really therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, it's therapeutic, but then it was really, I just feel like if someone did walk past me and knock on the window, it'd be really embarrassing. <laughs> and the acoustics weren't even that good, so. It would be really quirky, a bit like James Corden taking people out and interviewing them in yeah. the, the car and stuff, or on top of a double-decker bus with Prince Harry recently, so. <laughs> yeah, well, once COVID died down, I might actually invite a few guests into my car sessions and we'll do it that way. <laughs> yeah, that would be so cool. Oh, wow. That sounds like really good fun, uh, Gareth. That I think you're, I think you're onto something there. Do it, absolutely. Thank you. I'll let you know. I might record it next time and see what people think. <laughs> yeah, and I think even things like I don't know Instagram lives for uh, just a short period of time seem to work really well, don't they? So um, yeah, yeah, my fear with them is whether anybody's going to turn up. <laughs> when uh... you, there's like two people there. I always think, oh, I might just ditch this. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. And then. Coming back to the fact that you live in Chester, in the heart of Chester, are there any, um, if we were to put you on the spot now, obviously, because we're based in Chester, we love all things Chester. Are there any particular aspects of living in Chester that you love or you want to share? <laughs> oh, yeah, I could, yeah, I could go on about this for ages. Um, the main reason I actually love living in Chester, and once I, I've been living here now for six years, I think, and I would probably call it my home now in that sense, in a weird way, because... I, what I love about Chester is, I know this sounds really kind of geeky and not cool, but the, the beer scene. <laughs> okay, so when you go out to different pubs and restaurants, honestly, we've got, well, you'll know as well, Paul, because we always bump into each other whenever we're going out and stuff. And you'll see just the, the abundance of bars and pubs and the variety that you've got just to socialize with people. Not the best time right now, obviously, but, but that's one of the main reasons I live in Chester because I think it's got a really particular scene in that sense talking about sort of independent people running businesses of all kinds, whether you're going for a coffee, a beer, a restaurant, anything like that. Chester has got everything in that sense for me. Um, and it's all in walking distance. And no matter what pub or restaurant or anywhere you walk into, you're bound to see someone that you know, even though technically we're a city, it feels so close and, and close knit, doesn't it? And I yes. wouldn't trade that for the world myself. Like that's, that's, this is where I want to live because of that. It's great. 
Oh, that's good to hear because we we wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty cool place to live, and it's sort of that as you say, not a massive city. You can bump into lots of people you know, and there's the quirkiness, the independent businesses. So yeah, I I wouldn't want to live anywhere else really. I'm chuffed with it. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't beat it. And do you know what? Like I've actually walked a lot more places now since lockdown and realized that there are you know a lot of like green spaces around Chester as well that you didn't realize were there and you just got that I love the walk up the canal as well on the way to Crystalton and all that like it's just amazing and I just think personally like yeah we're just spoilt for choice in that sense and I just crossing my fingers that when things open up again that a lot of these businesses that are the heart of Chester right now are able to reopen and we can experience that again oh let's hope so let's hope so that would be superb. It's going to be one heck of a party, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Not that, not that I feel like I've talked about beer quite a lot in this podcast. But I'm not an alcoholic, I swear. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I just think, it, it, you know, you, you've done so well with uh, your career to date. And let's hope you go from strength to strength in the, in the future, Gareth. It's really impressive, you know, that you've got, you've got your single out. Uh, you've got an album in in the planning, and yeah, let's hope that you know you you'll be back on stage for very very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, I, yeah, and it's things like this, you know, um, showing an interest and being able to actually just have a sort of chat with you guys tonight and stuff. Like, it's just I find all these things fun, and it's just a good excuse for us to sort of socialise together and get stuff out there. So I've really enjoyed it tonight, and um, yeah, and it's good. And you look at it from obviously an artist's point of view of me hoping that. I can progress now as well. But for the podcast as well, I, I love that it's now on Spotify and iTunes and everything. And that's just great because people love podcasts at the moment. And I've just really, when you asked me, I was like, so chuffed. I was like, well happy with it. So thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure. Absolutely our pleasure. Love talking to you. And we always wish that we could go on for longer. The time seems to fly by with it. We've got about five minutes left now. Can't believe it. So if people want to find out more about your music, Gareth, how do they do that? So I think, to be honest, at the moment, I'm, I struggle with social media quite a lot when I'm in a creative zone in the sense of when I'm recording the album. I have to separate the two almost. So when I was promoting the single for Snakes, I was massive on Instagram and Facebook. So that's great. So by all means, the best way to keep updated is to follow me on Instagram. That's kind of the easiest way because that's the way I keep most people updated. I don't know why. I just prefer that. But Spotify is the one like that's where everything's going to be going up and every stream helps and being able to share it about. So putting it on playlists and stuff helps. So Spotify for me would be the way to find me. Just do it on that. But if you want to keep up, keep updated with stuff, Instagram is probably my main source of social media. Um, I apologize if I'm not as active as other musicians on there because I like to separate the two, as I said. But yeah, social media, get on it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Excellent. And is there anything you'd like to add, Gareth, before we finish up? Um, I can't think so. All I want to say is I just hope everyone's staying safe and that everyone's happy because um, although it kind of seems at the moment that, you know, times can be difficult and stuff, even just seeing the sun out at the moment is giving me a smile on my face. So it, I think spring's coming in, the birds are out. Um, I hope everyone's just basically looking forward to that summer and um, just keep going, everyone, basically. I know that sounds really cheesy, but um, we're all in this together. So let's do it. Oh, wow. That's so inspiring. Yeah, that's really uplifted me having a, a chat with you, Gareth and Paul. So thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. On behalf of um, the Good Enough Human podcast for taking the time and we wish you all the very best uh, for the future. And we hope to be able to see you in the not too distant future gigging in and around Chester. 
100%. Thank you so much. So there we have it. It was a pleasure to speak to Gareth Howardson and to find out more about how he has managed to stay productive and to keep going with his creative endeavours through lockdown and beyond. And we very much hope that we will be able to see him perform live in the not too distant future. Many thanks to him for giving up his time to chat to us. Many thanks also to Dr Stephen Kenyon Owen for the music which brings this podcast to life. Thanks also to my co-host Paul and thank you above all for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you soon.